Welcome to Touchline Radio. Oh, what a goal! And welcome to Touchline Radio. Here with your host, as always, Adam Esker. And I hope you're well. Hope you're enjoying the latter end of October 2017. Now, on this episode, I have to share a bit of my thoughts. I feel like lately I've been reassessing my my love and my relationship with football. And I guess this has been an ongoing battle in understanding the tribulations of what they call the modern day game. And in a way, I I've been I think it's partly due to the fact that I don't know what it's like to to sit in the stands of Highbury. I don't know what it's like to travel all around Europe, even though I've had the fortunes and I have the means a little bit more to do that, and I will do it whenever I can. But people seem to be living in a state of nostalgia. Not everybody, of course, but there's something missing. And I don't know what it is, but I acknowledge that it's there. And growing up in North America, football has been something that has grown recently. And for people from across the pond, from a few conversations I've had, uh, for them to see MLS football is a bit of a a travesty in a way. And I understand that because it's not as old, it's not as rooted, the derbies aren't as strong, and I guess the identities of football clubs have not had the depth and the time to really form themselves. That being said, though, I have to give full credit to what I have seen so far in Toronto with Toronto FC. Of course, aside from finishing first in the Eastern Conference, I have to say that there has been an element of trying to create something. The fans are aware of it, and every time I go to CTFC, I actually really do enjoy myself. So mega kudos to all those TFC fans who continue pushing on the charge. So on this episode, I speak to Mr. Richard Timms, who is the chairman of the oldest football club in the world. This is Sheffield FC, and he's done a very important job for maintaining what I call them to be an active museum. They are in the well, they're in the eighth division, I believe. They are a semi-professional club, but they still maintain the importance of being the oldest club and someone by the name of Pele has once said, actually, when the club celebrated their 150th year of existence in 2007, that without Sheffield FC, there wouldn't be a Pele. And I think without Sheffield FC, there even wouldn't be a me or even those listening, those who are interested in football. So we have a lot of things to be thankful for, I have to say. And just to give a summary of this club, they were founded in 1857, a coincidence because this happens to be the 57th episode of Touchline Radio, and they were founded by two men named William Prest and Nathaniel Creswick, and they split from a cricket club, and they're actually one of two clubs to share the FIFA Order of Merit, and the other club is, of course, Real Madrid, and, well... Richard Timms took over in the early 2000s and has played a very important role in maintaining the stature of the club. And now we celebrate 160 years. So I think the next time I go to England, I'm going to have to find a way to make a trek up north. Anyways, 
Don't go anywhere. Check out this chat with Mr. Richard Timms after this. So here we are now with Mr. Richard Timms, the chairman of Sheffield FC. How are you doing? I'm very good, thank you. Are you? I'm good, I'm good. I'm very happy that we had the chance to finally talk, honestly. Uh, I've had so many burning questions in, in regards to your involvement with the club and Sheffield FC as an organization. Okay. But I, I, have to, I have to start first and ask, how does one become a chairman of a football club? Uh, well, mine happened by complete accident, really, because um, my actual football allegiances were a professional club in our city called Sheffield Wednesday. Um, and I, I, um, I'm a marketeer by, by trade, and I was invited to look at Sheffield FC playing oh, some 18 years ago, and they played in a, in a rented stadium with no fans and just one team. And as a marketeer, you think, well, if this is the start of now the biggest global game in the world with the Premier League and all its money. And this is this is its great great grandfather. There has to be a better better position for the world's oldest and first football club. So I got involved really to uh, to move it on, I suppose. Um, so that's my story of how I get involved in the chairman. Um, it's not because I've got uh, endless pots of money to to throw at the sport. Uh, it's because I'm passionate about my city, the heritage of the game, and its values. Beautiful. Well, it's it's important because, of course, it's been around since, I believe, 1857, so uh, beyond my grandfather and my great-grandfather's time. So it's it's important to keep that sort of history so important. And it seems like in the last few years, especially with your involvement with the club, uh, it's received some unique attention, especially with the FIFA Order of Merit. How did this come about? Mm-hmm. Well, like I said, I, I got involved and, and then really to start marketing the club and then to find out, I suppose, whether the world is interested in in the ancestors of the game and its heritage and history and its values, really, or is it all about you know the Premier League and how much Gareth Bale earns in Real Madrid? And I found that when I started talking to football fans, you know, they will have an allegiance to professional clubs, but they do really believe that you know the heritage of the game and how we all used to play the game as kids is is represented. And if there's one football club in the world that can represent, I suppose. The other end of the game, from all that money, it's the world's oldest and first football club. So using its community, really, um, to, to anchor its position and, uh, and then really start marketing it and, and finding out, well, if you're the oldest football club in the world, genetically, does every football fan in the world not come from you? So as opposed to what we do on a Saturday or a Tuesday by playing football on a field, the world's first football club is of interest to three billion global football fans. They just don't know. That's very interesting. So, how do you uh, how do you try to organize that sort of thought in in football fans? Well, I mean that is a that's a challenge from a marketing perspective because obviously the game is obsessed by the top end, and that's where all the the TV revenue, the eyeballs um, are all focused. So you have to do it through through other mediums. Now, obviously, the onset of social media um, helps uh, tremendously, um, but it, you know it's not easy. You know, how do you develop a brand at the wrong end of the market? Um, but what, what I've found when I've traveled and, and people I've communicated with is they're all actually in love 
with the game. And if you're you know, the start of the game, then you know, they're in love with you. So you've got to be creative. So we've got a project called the Club of Pioneers. I'm going to ask you a question, actually, in a minute, if you know who Canada's oldest football club is, but you can just have a think about that. Um, so we've got a project called the Club of Pioneers, and that's about having an association and a, and a relationship with every oldest football club in every country. Now, I know you're probably Googling that now. Um, you got is, me there. <laughs> there is an oldest football club in every country, yeah? There are 209 football-playing countries around the world. And as I say, it's, it's gathering a relationship with each of those clubs that will give us reach. So, you know, in, in, in Italy, it's Genoa. So I've done a presentation on the pitch to Genoa. And all the Genoa fans now love Sheffield FC. So it's really telling the story of how football started and the uniqueness of this football club through the medium of social media, but creating content. Well, and the answer is, well, the answer is, I mean, we, we date back. Uh, if we're going to look through several divisions, um, I probably have this wrong, but for what I'm seeing, London City in 1973 is the oldest I can go back at this moment in time. Uh, no. It's a club called Darlington. Darlington. Canada. So have you had a it chance is, yeah. to come by and, uh, and, and see the club? No, not yet. We're in dialogue with Darlington. Um, because obviously some of them are quite small clubs. Some of them are very big clubs like Galatasaray. Um, and, and they tend to invite us over, not just with a team, because obviously that's quite expensive. But um, what, what, what we do with the Club of Pioneers is about generating interest and content. Um, so each, each of those football clubs generally aren't known as the oldest football club in the country. So it gives them that added, added value. And um, I think that every football fan in each country, whether it be France, Spain or Germany, should be paying homage to their pioneer. Interesting. Well, uh, one club I do or I am aware of that you are involved with is St. Pauli in Germany. So how, what's the relationship that you have with them? Um, well, Matt is a guy who works for me. You know, he, he works out of Hamburg. Um, so St. Pauli aren't the oldest football club in Germany. Um, but they, they do have a social agenda. They believe in the true values of the game. So that's where our synergy lies. I mean, we also work alongside Borussia Dortmund, who are a, a, a very big fan-led club as well. Um, so, yeah, St. Pauli, it's, it's the similarity of values, I suppose. Interesting. Now, I have heard you through uh, through various media that you've been involved in that you have called Sheffield the nomadic club. Uh, how how does how did it continue to exist despite the fact that it wasn't settled for over a century and, and a half almost? Yeah, I mean that that's a great question, and that you know that was a question I asked when we I looked at Sheffield FC playing at an old athletics stadium. Um, but you know the quite romantic story, and it's it, practically it's not very romantic, but. Um, because the founders of football, you know, just used to turn up and play for the love of the game, the professional game obviously took off and Sheffield FC got a little bit left behind. They didn't feel the need to put down any roots. So they just used to rent pitches from all over the city, etc. But obviously, football now, even at our level, is a business and you need a base to, to work from. Um, so that was the first thing I did when I got involved is we, we need to secure our own permanent home. So in 2001, we did that, and uh, we are now looking to uh, relocate back to the original field that football was first played on and build a, uh, a new stadium called the Home of Football, and that will be a place for all football fans to pilgrimage and pay homage to where the game started. Well, nice. What's the status of that at this moment in time? Um, 
it's we've identified the field. We are just looking for funding now. We're pretty close, I think. It's taken me a long time. I started the project in 2007. Um, and we're hopeful that in the next couple of months, we may be able to announce some news. Interesting. Well, it sounds like very exciting times for Sheffield FC. Uh, with the other clubs in Sheffield, United and, and Wednesday in particular, have you been able to develop a further relationship with either or? Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously both clubs were born out of Sheffield FC. Sheffield Wednesday, we have a an education um, and community project with, with girls football. We major in girls football and women's football. We have a, a Super League side. Uh, with Sheffield United, we share the history and we played at their stadium a long time before they were born. Um, so there is a natural affinity. But, of course, Sheffield Wednesday, Sheffield United fans, you know, they tend to be steered towards their own club. So in terms of that brand goodwill in the city, um, before, you know, the club just play on a Saturday and, and have a beer and then go home. But people are now becoming, um, I suppose, attached to the club because we've got this publicity and people have woken up and thought, wow, it is actually fantastic within our city. We have, you know, the oldest football club in the world. That's something to be proud of. So I guess, in a way, the priority for Sheffield FC is not really to become a, a club that's up in the upper echelons of the Premier League. Um, no, I think we probably missed the boat on that strategy a while ago. But um, you can never say never. But I suppose um, what we represent is sort of the, the other end of the game. But, of course, we are a competitive football team. So should we win every game in the next eight years, We'll end up in the Premier League, but I can't see that being hardly likely. Well, uh, you never know. As you said, uh, it could be a thing that comes out of nowhere. Well, one thing I have seen also uh, recently is that classic football shirts have become a kit sponsor. What's the story behind this? Well, again, uh, I don't know if you know the classic football shirt business, but I mean, they're probably the market leader in the world of, of supplying, uh, as it says on the tin, classic football shirts. Um, they're, they're a natural bedfellow. Obviously, their customers are interested in the heritage of the game because, you know, they, they sell retro football shirts from, from most clubs in the world. Um, and they're very innovative. So, you know, they said, well, we'd be a great vehicle for, for pushing the story around the world because they sell uh, replica shirts from, from and genu you know, genuine playing match-worn shirts as well from all over the world. And, uh, you know, if they adopt the world's first football club, it's a, it's a great story for them. And they're our retail partner. So, we, you know, we sell shirts all over the world via their website. Well, I believe it was in 2007 to mark the 150th anniversary that uh, there was a lot of attention from FIFA. Of course, uh, Bladder was, was there. And also, I believe Inter Milan had a derby that was organized. Uh, what was your role in that? How, how did this whole thing come about? Yeah, I mean, in 2007, really, um, I was hoping just before the, the, the financial crash that hit me, hit the world that Sheffield FC would, would be adopted by the world of football. We, we built up these events, relationships with FIFA, Real Madrid, and et cetera. And, and, and so to celebrate 150 years, we wanted a, you know, a really top-notch team, and we were close to getting Real Madrid to players. And uh, luckily, Massimo Moratti, the president of Inter Milan, uh, appreciated the heritage and history. We managed to secure Inter Milan um, for a game in Sheffield where we had 25,000, and Mario Balotelli scored twice. Um, Pelly introduced the teams, which is you know not bad for an amateur team to be, um, you know, treated like that. So we had a, a great celebration. Well, and also, uh, as you mentioned, Pelly was there 
Uh, that must have been a very unique moment for yourself to actually, uh, for the for the club to have come so far in such a, I guess, in a way, quick succession, um, especially when you you went in there and decided to really uh, take hold. What was it like to meet someone of the of the stature of Pele? And what did he have to say yeah, about that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, absolutely fantastic, and we've you know we've we've got on film that you know he, he he said that without Sheffield there wouldn't be a me, you know which is which is absolutely fantastic. I mean you know we're very grateful because our colleagues at Sheffield United uh, managed to secure his services, um, and 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 that that applies around the world. You know whether and that the uh, Emilio Butragueño or Alberto de Sarr at Real Madrid, um, everybody seems to be in awe of the world's first football club. It just seems to have taken a long time to get the message out there. So. You're quite right. We've moved more in 10 years than we have in the last 150, really. And also, uh, the Sheffield women's team is is something, of course, with the Women's Soccer League uh, really growing, or Football Association growing quite rapidly in England. Uh, how important is it, or was it, for Sheffield to, to start their own women's team, and how uh, And they seem to be doing actually very well? Yeah, I mean, we are now. I mean, we've gone from, from the bottom of the women's game to the top in, in virtually 13 years. Um, now the game's exploded, but setting a women's team up the same as disability and futsal is part of being a pioneer. You know, we have to. We might be an old football club, a living, breathing antique, as I say, but we're a modern, forward-thinking football club as well. Um, so we have to pioneer. So you know, within our locality, we're the first you know club to, to, to develop women's football. So we just happen to be very successful at it because the money involved in the game is not as great as the men's game. So there's more of a level playing field. So when Sheffield FC actually won the Premier League uh, and we got to the Super League, it was like a, a David and Goliath story. So, you know, next year the Super League get restructured and our competition will be Manchester City, Chelsea and Arsenal. And Sheffield FC are a grassroots club. So that'll probably never happen in men's football. But what a great story um, in, in, in women's football that Sheffield FC are actually an elite team. Well, without a doubt, it's... Uh... Very intriguing. So what do we have to look forward to for the 24th of October? Is there anything special planned for Sheffield FC? Uh, well, we uh, we always have a dinner in, in the city. Um, yeah, obviously, the 150th was, was a really big occasion. Um, so, so we'll be doing some stuff. We usually do uh, invite our fans online to celebrate with us. So we do a project called Happy Birthday Football. Um, and, and I've no doubt Matt and our media people will, will contact you on how you can join in that and send us a message on social media. You know, we have messages from um, on, on Real Madrid's homepage, Barcelona's homepage, Borussia Dortmund. You know, we got something like 8.9 million views um, on, on one occasion that we did it. So that, that's a way to do it. I mean, we are just awaiting the um, uh, announcement whether we can, uh, uh, you know, go public with the stadium. I mean, that would be great timing, but I can't guarantee that that will happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, through, through the social media celebration, you know, your listeners, your fans, etc can join happy birthday football well also that would be i mean that's that's the reason why we call it the beautiful game at the end of the day uh, so how can we let's say someone wants to go to england um perhaps myself again uh and if i, I want to go to sheffield fc i want to go see a, a match how can i go about doing that well you, you can just go on our website and, and press ask the chairman and he comes straight to me there's no airs and graces, and we'll we'll uh, we'll welcome you with open arms. So we get international visitors from all over the world. We've just hosted 450 Cologne fans, and you know it's not uh, there are no police and stewards. It's, you know there might be three or four hundred people in the stadium, but we we have visitors from Japan, Brazil, Germany, all over the place who are just just want to see. We, we own a little country pub with real ale, so it's you know 
it's a fine, it's a fine, it's a game of football. It doesn't cost you a fortune, but uh, what a great opportunity for every football fan in the world to visit where football kicked off. Something to tell your grandkids. Without a doubt. I'm actually very excited about the project, and I'm excited to uh, perhaps go and finally see Sheffield FC for myself someday. So uh, I'm very much looking forward to that. Now, also, uh, I guess the whole ethos of the project is to be a part of Sheffield FC for the love of the game. And is that something that that's yeah. drifted down towards the management and also the player side? Because it must be difficult. How does that work in terms of managing an organization like that? Yeah, I mean, that, that the... You're going into the inner workings of a football club because, you know, we are a competitive organisation. We're actually semi-professional as opposed to amateur. So, you know, young athletes want to play at the highest level. They want to earn the most money, etc. So, you know, trying to tell them about the values um, we do. Um, sometimes it's quite difficult because somebody down the road offers them another £50 a week. Then a young man who, you know, maybe not got the best earning potential in the world will, will jump ship. I think you have to understand that's the market um but you know once again a little bit more maturity you know we've got a vet team at over 45s over 55s um we have a lot of people coming back to the club saying wow this was my best time they probably when they're really young they don't realize it but yeah getting those values out i mean we took a team to play in india so a load of 21 year old guys playing in india for 16 days all paid for i mean that's the kind of experience at football that they'll probably never experience Wow, that's very important because, of course, uh, when you look up uh, at, at the other professionals, I mean, when you look at the very top tier, it's very different. But the fact that Sheffield still holds and continues to grow upon uh, that stature in world football, I think it's, it's very important. And, um, I mean, in any way possible, I believe everyone should su support the great grandfather of football. Exactly. Well, Richard, thank you very much. If we'd like to find you, what would be the best? You said ask a chairman on the Sheffield FC website, but is there any other way you'd like people to reach out to you? Yeah, I mean, um, obviously we've got a Twitter and a Facebook page um, as well, um, or, or via the website. Or, of course, if you come down in person, I'll buy you a beer. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you very much for your time, Richard, and best of fortune as the story continues to evolve and develop. Now, thank you. And there you have it. Once again, here we are, 160 years later. Look where we have gone. Look where we were and look where we are today. Thank you again to Sheffield FC and thank you to Richard Timms for such an intriguing conversation. And I look forward to the day that I get to uh, get on that train and head up to Sheffield and say hello. So if you have any questions, don't hesitate to give me a shout at Touchline Radio on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram and you can find the show on SoundCloud and iTunes. Now I'm working on it. I'm going to be expanding. It's just uh, one day at a time. And, well, stay strong and enjoy. Until the next time, bye for now. You've been listening to Touchline Radio.